the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KFAX. Streaming now on iHeart and the Odyssey app. Portions of our programming may be pre-recorded. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, thank you kindly, and uh, welcome to a Tuesday edition of Lifeline. We're here on the uh, post-Easter weekend, and I trust you had a uh, joyous and blessed Easter. And uh, now we welcome you to a new week. Lots to talk about on today's program, including a very fascinating bit of proposed bill out of Sacramento, AB 2098, that has the the potentiality of having a pretty severe cooling effect or chilling effect on freedom of speech in our state. We'll get to the reasons why this could be problematic a little bit later on. Bob Zadek will join us on the program. I want to lead off, though, as we mentioned about the Easter holiday. Trust you had a nice, enjoyable one. And if you went to church, either on Good Friday or on Easter Sunday, you didn't suffer arrest or persecution. Happens. In fact, it happened this past week in India. In the northern Indian province of Uttar Pradesh, which um, has a pretty significant population of Hindu nationalists that recently apparently passed a anti-conversion law that is now mm-hmm. being used to prosecute and persecute Christians. We get more on the story from Brad Dacus, constitutional lawyer and the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. And and Brad, while this is slightly out of the wheelhouse from the standpoint of, of um U.S.-related issues, and nevertheless ought to be a very stark reminder for all Christians of just how precarious our freedoms as believers can be. Oh, it certainly, it certainly is. You know, we're looking at least at least 36 Christians uh, were arrested from a church belonging to the Evangelical Church of India denomination, and uh, this this province, you know, this uh, is uh, one of the harshest. Uh, persecuting provinces there are. Uh, you mentioned the anti-conversion law that was passed. Uh, and the reason, once again, these Christians are being persecuted is because people, Hindus, are becoming Christians. And uh, it uh, has the, the, the nation is alarmed by it uh, because there are so many becoming Christians. You know, while Christians make up only 2.3% of India's population, and the Hindus comprise about 80%, I, the, the rest are mostly Muslim, uh, the country's um, anti-conversion law laws presume that uh, Christians force uh, or give financial benefits to Hindus to convert them to Christianity. Of course, that's obviously not not the case. Uh, you 
uh, can't be at 2.3% of the population and have a strong arm you know, forcing tactics like you can in uh, many uh, harsh Muslim, radical Muslim countries. Uh, so this is a definite concern. You know, just yeah, this last week, just north of, uh, of India is Bangladesh, and we just succeeded in defending and protecting a, a pastor and his wife and kids from having to be sent back to Bangladesh after the other pastor from that church in Bangladesh uh, was killed by the radical Muslims. Uh, this pastor had a similar threat. He, he fled to Cambodia, then to the United States, and we uh, we just got the notice this week of his final uh, protection and allowance to, to stay in the United States and not be sent back to almost certain death. So uh, things are very real in that part of the world. Uh, Bangladesh, uh, India, and uh, we as Christians uh, cannot take uh, any of this for granted, our freedoms, especially when we see things heating up in countries like India. And I think it's also an important uh, warning here, too. You know, we, we think of India as a fellow democratic society. They're English-speaking. Uh, they have advancements in technology and medicine that in many respects are, are equal to that of the United States. And yet Prime Minister Modi, Narendra Modi, um, has oftentimes taken very hardline, harsh stands against Christian believers there. They have recently aligned themselves in support for Russia against, quite frankly, the rest of the modern world in relationship to Russia's brutal attack on Ukraine, the, the, the carnage and killing which continues to this very moment. So it, it, it's sounding more and more like, although we traditionally think of India in the context of Gandhi and the struggle for independence from the United Kingdom following World War II as this great democratic society, but in fact the story that is emerging, the picture that is emerging, is quite contrarian to the democratic principles that we hold dear. Oh, yeah. And, and people need to understand this is not an isolated incident uh, for India's Christians in 2021. Uh, that was the most violent year in the country's history, according to a report by the United Christian Forum, which recorded at least 486 violent incidents of Christian persecution uh, last year uh, in just, just in India. Uh, so, uh, in fact, the, the UCF, uh, they cited, uh, they said this was due to um, which uh, the, the, such mobs um, uh, criminally threaten, physically assault people in prayer uh, before handing them over to police on allegations of forcible conversion. So uh, this is a, a serious problem, and um, you know it's uh, it's, it's going to become more of a problem uh, as we uh, as we move forward. And uh, hopefully, uh, they'll have uh, leadership. Hopefully, a, a sensibility will come upon uh, the, the nation of India. Um, but uh, it's it's very concerning, and of course, our recent alignment with Russia uh, is also of a serious concern as well. Now, events like this and this kind of persecution, obviously on the radar screen for believers, for organizations like Pacific Justice Institute. But I'm wondering at a global level. I mean, are there any discussions? Uh, is there any awareness going on, for example, uh, at the level of the United Nations? I know that our own State Department, for example, every year comes up with a list and it makes it available to the general public as to the nations that have um, significant um, records against religious freedoms, such as the nature of what we're talking about today. But what about the United Nations? To your knowledge, is there... Been <laughs> Pardon me, been any discussion or debate about this at that level? 
Uh, well, there there was during the the prior administration, uh, during the Trump administration, actually there was a high priority placed on, it, and there was even a a UN uh, U.S. sponsored uh, you know conference on religious freedom um, in a, in the in the world, and uh, some headway was actually made in a number of countries um, that the uh, Trump administration targeted, like Morocco and others that uh, Muslim countries in particular. Uh, to uh, encourage them to adopt uh, religious freedom-friendly uh, uh, policies, uh, but uh, recently, uh, no, there is uh, there is religious freedom has not been a major priority uh, in the last uh, year and a half, um, and or in the last in the last year. And so I think, uh, uh, but that's something that the UN should definitely could be taking up again. It partly depends on uh, who's uh, who's in the White House and, and what their priorities are. Uh, this is not a, a large priority. I don't believe. Uh, Exhibited in this uh, administration, uh, but who knows? Maybe, maybe it will uh, in the years, uh, in the later part of his, uh, the, the presidential term. Yeah, well, let's certainly hope so. I mean, again, the, these stories are becoming more and more commonplace. Uh, even when I was there in India, and this is my goodness, uh, eight, ten years ago, there are already reports of persecution against believers. Some of you know that we have shared on the air about one of the gentlemen that we were working with in relationship to the uh, the Bible League, who had been a pastor in southern India, and uh, he his wife was attacked uh, by someone on a motorcycle who threw acid at her, and uh, just a, a horrible state of affairs, and was all, again, based on, um, you know, significant Hindu nationalists that uh, are upset about any sense of um, people looking at their, their you know, <laughs> their options from a, from a spiritual standpoint. And so all you need to do is be discovered as being a Christian, and there are certain states, there are certain regions within India where it can indeed be up to life-threatening. So we need to be in prayer for India and and certainly that God would intervene and would restore true democracy to that country, including religious freedom. Brad Dake is constitutional lawyer, founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Information available on the web at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. For perhaps even the casual observer, you can probably join me in concluding that um, advancements in certain arenas, uh, technology, for example, or medical science, are advancements that take place over time. They tend to evolve. They go through stages of of progress, sometimes regress, as, you know, the the understanding moves forward. so at the end of the day, it's really more about a process than a singular event. I mean, for example, there was a time in, quote-unquote, modern medicine way back in the day when the treatment for certain maladies was bloodletting. Now, today, you look at that and say, well, that, that's, that's totally ridiculous. But at the time, based on the information at hand, it seemed logical. The battle over this issue in relationship to process versus event when it comes to medicine, of course, has been very much highlighted in our um, post-COVID world here today. And um, if you wonder if there are any outside victims of of this debate, uh, well, just witness the fact that our own state is now considering 
a new piece of legislation. I referred to this earlier in the hour, AB 2098, that is called essentially um, a, a bill that would deal with physicians and surgeons' unprofessional conduct. And let me just read one line to you before we meet our guest tonight. The bill says, and I quote, existing law provides for the licensure and regulation of physicians and surgeons by the Medical Board of the State of California. Existing law requires the applicable board to take action against any licensed physician and surgeon who is charged with unprofessional conduct as provided. Now you would think, what constitutes unprofessional conduct? I don't know, maybe a doctor taking advantage of the patient, maybe a surgeon leaving forceps and a, you know, <laughs> a couple of sponges behind uh, as they've sewn the patient up, you know, things that would be seemingly obvious. This bill, however, would designate, and I'm quoting again, the dissemination or promotion of misinformation or disinformation related to the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus as unprofessional conduct. The bill would require the board to consider specified factors to bringing a disciplinary action against the physician and surgeon that could mean up to and including loss of their license. This seems to suggest that the state of California, at least members of the California state legislature, don't see advancements in medical science as a process, but rather a singular event. And if you're not on board in that moment in time, you run the risk of losing your license. Wow, really? Well, with more on this, we're joined by best-selling author, CPA, attorney, and syndicated talk show host, Bob Zadek. He hosts the longest-running libertarian talk show in America today, The Bob Zadek Show, heard here in the San Francisco Bay Area Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m., The Answer. Bob, as always, a privilege to have you join us. I, I'm, I'm really dumbfounded by the language in this proposed bill, AB 2098, because it seems to suggest that if you don't get along with whatever the prevailing mentality is on a given topic at a given moment in the arena of medicine, you run the risk of losing your license. So I suppose for a physician who 500 years ago might have questioned the practice of bloodletting, um, which today we would look at as being, you know, extremely <laughs> out of touch, that if you had raised or questioned the use of bloodletting back in the day, and you were here in California, you would run the risk of losing your license. Seriously? Not only that, Greg, but I'll ask our listeners the following very straightforward question, because you teed up the issue personally. Here is my straightforward, albeit rhetorical, question to our listeners. Let's assume you are... You've, you've tried to keep yourself informed, and given whatever particularities apply to your medical condition, because each one of us is individual, whatever combination of uh, comorbidity um, problems you have, your age, your general health, your family life, um, you are an individual. And you are trying to figure out what should be your behavior vis-a-vis -vis vaccination, vis-a-vis -vis going out, vis-a-vis -vis wearing a mask. Now, I'll ask everybody out there, collectively, 
you want the best information possible, whom would you trust to give you the answer? Would you trust Assembly Member Lowe? I don't think Assembly Member Lowe is a doctor or really cares very much about you. Or would you trust Assembly Member Aguar Curry or Akila Weber or maybe Assembly Member Wicks or perhaps Senator Pan or Senator Weaver? Weiner, he's on every bill. No, you would go to a doctor that you have selected using your own rational brain as this is a physician whom I trust. I w will have to make in my life important decisions, perhaps even life and death decisions for myself, for my young children, for family members. We cannot make these decisions in a vacuum. You have to get advice. Well, will you call the local office of Assembly Member Lowe, or will you ask your physician? The answer is, of course, you will ask your physician. And you have said to yourself, you have said to the world, I am an adult. I am permitted to make decisions about my life. I am responsible for the quality of those decisions. I have done the research necessary to select doctor so-and-so as my advisor and it is that doctor whom I trust but now your doctor looks at your condition and concludes because of the specifics of your medical profile it is best that you do something and the something varies from to quote the statute uh, the con contemporary scientific consensus. That's the words of the statute. Your doctor, who knows what's best for you, is forbidden from telling you what the doctor, using the best skills that doctor has, that doctor is forbidden from giving you the advice and is required to give you the advice handed down by the contemporary scientific consensus, whatever the hell that means. So therefore, why bother picking a doctor at all? Just call the consensus hotline and ask the consensus. Can I speak to some member of the consensus? I need personal medical advice. That's what this bill does. It interjects um, elected officials. It interjects politicians it, right in between you and the doctor. It is as if somebody from the political establishment is sitting in that sacred room with you and your doctor and is monitoring what the doctor is telling you and the doctor better adhere to the contemporary scientific consensus or else the doctor is at risk of losing their license. That's what this bill does. And it's not the first time we may have time to discuss other examples in current life in America where the political establishment is interjecting itself in the most sacred relationship between doctor and patient. How soon before the medical the, the political establishment 
tells what your spiritual advisor can tell you and not tell you. And what about your lawyer? What your lawyer can tell you. Um, and all, before you know it, these physicians are nothing other than, and these lawyers and these priests and rabbis uh, are nothing other than dispensing information given to them on three-by-five cards by the political establishment. It just... Craig doesn't get any worse than this. Is nothing sacred? Can we not pick the doctor who we want to rely upon, and we want that doctor to give us the very best advice that that doctor thinks is appropriate, not what he's told to tell us what he thinks is appropriate, or else why bother picking a doctor at all? Well, and, and as you aptly point out, I mean, I, I, you know, the old adage: if if I if I need legal advice, I go and see a doctor. I, I don't go uh, run down to the local gas station and ask the guy who's uh, working as the clerk there, collecting money when you buy your gasoline, what his opinion is. Now, it might be somebody that I know whose opinion I value, but at the end of the day, it seems to suggest that the wisdom, the greater wisdom, is in seeking out a professional with experience in that specific arena or discipline. And yet what's being suggested by this bill is that politicians know better. Well, you and I, of course, know better than that. We know that oftentimes they get it more wrong than they do right. If you want to look at an example, a current day example of just how wrong they can get it, look at what's going on with China's response to the current uptick in COVID cases there. You talk about heavy-handed draconian measures where they're completely not only shutting down cities, uh, they've had cases where They've even kicked people out of their homes. This is just in the news in the last couple of days, kicking people out of their homes in order to essentially confiscate their property to use it to lock down additional people for COVID. Now, does that make any sense to you? It makes none to me whatsoever. And yet, as we're learning, uh, forcibly locking people, 25 million, in their homes, separating children from parents, killing family pets because they're concerned that animals may be passing along COVID, and then along with all of that, um, denying people access to food, proper medical care, all of this having zero impact on slowing the spread of COVID in China. And so like any good government, when they discover something that doesn't work, all you need to do is do a lot more of it. Because somehow, doing it 10 times over, 100 times over, they think will reverse the tide. We're talking today about a very dangerous proposal, Assembly Bill 2098, that essentially says if your doctor gives you his medical opinion on a medical issue that doesn't match the prevailing winds of what seems to be kind of the, 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 the popular political take, on a specific medical issue, that your physician runs the risk of being charged with unprofessional conduct for which they can be disciplined up to and including losing their medical license. Now, we're not talking here about snake oil salesmen, 
though this bill might suggest that the, what, that's what it's trying to address, it essentially puts every physician in the state of California at huge risk. I mean, why would anybody want to come to the state and practice medicine with a bill like this hanging over their heads? Bob Zadick is with us tonight, best-selling author, CPA, attorney, talk show host. He hosts The Bob Zadick Show, heard Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. here in the San Francisco Bay Area at 8.60 a.m. The Answer. You can get more information about Bob, upcoming guests, past shows, podcasts, etc. online at bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. When we come back, let's dig along a, a little bit deeper as to what is driving, what, what is behind the motivation to put a bill like this before the California State Legislature. We'll get to that part of the story as our conversation with Bob Zadek continues. We're back. Our conversation today with best-selling author and syndicated talk show host Bob Zadek. We're unpacking not only some of the details related to Assembly Bill 2098, but but perhaps the deeper risk here. Uh, And that is the fact that, and Bob hinted at this before the break, that we are facing the possibility that if this passes and is instituted into law in California, what next will be in the crosshairs of the California state legislature that they deem to not be politically correct? And at the end of the day, I think it's important to be mindful that so much of this debate surrounding COVID-19 is political in nature. And maybe therein, Bob, lies the problem. I suppose if it were purely a political problem in search of a political answer, that might be one thing, but it's a political problem that has very significant um, potential medical risks here. Were the state able to get a bill like this put into place? And as you referred to um, just before the break, the potentiality for this then to become a model for other ways in which a, kill, a chilling effect on uh, free speech can be exercised, it, 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 it really... It, <laughs> I'm at the loss of words here. It, it, it's, it's, it is astonishing to even think that they would consider something like this, given the fact that, as I said in my introductory remarks, it, it really is, 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 is the denier of science and somehow suggests that all of this happens by, uh, you know, fiat or, or by magic event as opposed to process. Look, Greg, you're exa- before the break, uh, you posed a really important question. You asked um, right before the break, what is the motivation behind this? What is this all about? And what this is about is government has lost, totally lost, the trust and faith of the governed. Nobody believes them anymore. And therefore, when uh, Rochelle Walensky or when... uh, Satan incarnate, Dr. Fauci, um, makes a, in effect, a ruling, although unelected, makes a ruling about masks or about stay at home and do not go to work. We are told that is the ruling, and therefore we are bound by it. Well, normal, rational thinking people would say, okay, that's a point of view. I don't really know enough about medicine or about law all about or about science or about anything else. So I'm going to go to the people that I have selected through my operation of my rational brain, 
that I have selected as my circle of trusted advisors. It's a lawyer. It's a friend. It's somebody you read who publishes a blog. But you have selected that person like you have selected a spouse and a dear friend. You have decided this relationship makes sense to you. Well, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to pick those people who you trust and those people who you don't trust. And you seek out the people who you have selected as the people you trust, not people who somebody else put into office, but people you have selected. And you say, give me the real inside scoop. Give me the truth. I trust you. Well, now we have Fauci or Walensky or all of these political types. And let's remember, people in government are no smarter, no more honest, no less honest, and no less smart, but certainly no more smart and no more honest than people in any other walk of life. They have just decided to make a career decision that they prefer government work versus private sector work, for whatever reason, and I don't question that. But certainly, because they've made that, uh, that choice about their occupation, doesn't mean they're per se smarter. They just applied for a job with government and got picked. That's all it means. They're average people like everybody else. The more people are average than aren't average, right? Of course that's right. So therefore, why should we especially believe the average people in government more than the average people who are not in government? Well, we shouldn't. They just took a different occupation. So I decide to trust my doctor. But now this bill is saying, no, if your doctor disagrees with the average government employee, that doctor must bite her tongue and cannot voice that disagreement to you, the patient. You're not allowed to know what the person you selected thinks. How can you and I, Craig, be denied, be denied the workings of the brain of our physicians? We are denied it. We are just telling a doctor, tell me what you think. I trust you. That question and that answer is now been criminalized if this bill becomes law. That's how sacred the relationship um, that is being destroyed. We cannot pick those people who we trust anymore. We are told you only can trust the government, the average people who work for government, versus the people you select from your private life. It's that serious. Everybody listening to this show should, at the end of your show, tell their elected official, do not support Assembly Bill 2098. Stay out of my doctor's office. You're not invited. And you know, what's problematic about this is if we were talking about people that were intentionally promoting misinformation going against established science, the operative word there is established, uh, with the intent to cause harm, then we might say, well, you know, there, there's there's laws on the books already in the malpractice arena that would allow you some some means of of, of restitution or at least being able to, uh, uh, you know, to to challenge your physician and and 
essentially, you know, bring them to answer uh, for decisions that they have made or uh, practices and procedures that they have engaged with that directly affect you and your health and your well-being. But this doesn't do that. And I guess that's the troubling thing here is it, it almost suggests that if a doctor voices an opinion during a period of time, and COVID is certainly uh, one of these, where there is not established science, that it is in flux because we're kind of figuring this out as we're going along. And so if your doctor happens to voice an opinion that runs against and in this case, it's not mainstream. It's just whatever the government decides in the moment is the answer. They run the risk of losing their license and their livelihood. I mean, I, I, I'm just still very astonished at this proposal, Bob. And I have to wonder, is this the opening salvo to something more? Should this actually clear the, the, the legislature be signed by the governor, I'm sure it would be challenged in courts, but I, it just it, it makes you wonder what next. Well, and let's remember, now, your audience may pick up in my voice, and it's not very subtle, my concern about government. Well, it's not government per se. Everything in my life falls apart without a government. So, there's no government is neutral. There's no animus in my mind towards government. But what makes this conversation important is that a doctor will only earn your trust by earning your trust, by you doing research, getting references, drawing your own conclusion. The doctor cannot compel you to trust her. You, they have to earn that, just like businesses cannot compel you to buy their product. They have to earn your patronage. Government is different. When government does something or tells you to listen to them, they are the only organization in the country that is permitted to use up to deadly force to make sure you do what they say. Your doctor can't. Your lawyer can't. Your spouse can't. They have to persuade you. They have to earn your loyalty. Government doesn't have to earn your loyalty. If you're not loyal, you go to prison. If So here, these, these legislators are not content only to make the case, to say, here's what we think about COVID, and here are the reasons, and earn your trust. They are not concerned about earning your trust. They'd rather just enforce their trust, your trust in them, with a gun and a jail cell. When somebody has to enforce loyalty or else you go to jail, you know what they're selling you're not going to be buying. And again, to the core of this bill, it directs the state, the state licensing board, to impose disciplinary penalties, which could, as I mentioned before, result in the loss of a medical license on physicians who disseminate misinformation. But <laughs> the issue here is what constitutes misinformation? Now, we know there were periods of time that ivermectin was being promoted, hydroxychloroquine was being promoted, and, and you know, unjustifiably so, perhaps, in that the proper studies and research 
had not yet been conductive, and so a lot of it was being done on conjecture rather than scientific evidence. But to suggest that a physician who took that position that saw something hopeful in ivermectin, for example, and suggested that people try it, to now run the risk of losing his or her medical license for the promotion of misinformation when it was still very much in the we're not sure, but it might be stages, really suggests, as Bob Zadek is pointing to, that the government wishes to be all-knowing, all-powerful, and use the ability that it has, as he mentioned before, to do everything up to and including take away your freedoms in order to exercise its position, which then makes you really wonder, is this government imposing its will upon us? And what about our individual rights? We'll talk more. Bob Zadek, our guest. By the way, you can get more information about Bob's program by going to his website. There you'll find an abundance of resources. He's got copies of his books, podcasts of recent interviews, and other details as well related to his weekly show, The Bob Zadek Show, heard Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m., The Answer. Check him out online at bobzadek.com, B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. A time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. You know, the irony is that there are... Regulations in place, largely, for example, under the, uh, the watchful eye of the FDA, that if misleading information or false claims are made about medical treatments, that the person that's disseminating that information, usually for personal profit, will have to um, face, face the music, as they say. So that be the case... Why does the California legislature think that punishing physicians is now suddenly in order? And as we're discussing today with my guest, Bob Zadek, uh, there seems to be more there there than what they are admitting to. So what about that angle? If there are already regulations and laws in place uh, that that prohibit this, why does California think we need to take an extra step and, most importantly, focused on physicians? Because... A physician obviously needs a license to earn a living, obviously. And it is the legislature understands that the stakes become so high for a physician, loss of license, that all you have to do is pass the legislation and let it sit there. And no physician who is operating in their self-interest would ever come close to crossing the line. Therefore, now you are a physician, and you are really good at what you do, and you know the consensus is dead wrong, and you know that they're, they're making a mistake. A patient comes in to you and asks you for advice. They are entitled to the very best your brain can produce. That's what they want from you. And you say to yourself, you know, the best advice I can give this patient is don't get vaccinated under the particular circumstances of this patient. But if I do what my oath requires me to do, give this patient the best advice for this patient's health, 
And if word gets out, or the patient is a mole, or the patient is angry at me, or doesn't want to pay the bill, and the patient reports me, or is taping the conversation, I could lose my license. It's not worth it. So I will just give this patient the information the government wants me to give because they're holding a gun to my head. So all they have to do is pass the legislation and send out the message, hey, physician, we're watching you. That's all they have to do. And they have co-opted the brain and the tongue of every physician in California. They don't have to do anything more. And therefore, they just send out, they send out the information, dear physician, you want to keep your license? Here's what you must tell the patient. You must tell the patient, Dr. Fauci is a step away from God. And so is Dr. Walensky. And what they say stands, do not contradict them, do not because you'll lose your license. And they're done. And these politicians have accomplished exactly what they want. They have, in effect, forced the entire medical establishment to be nothing other than hired mouthpieces for the government, not telling patients what the doctor thinks, but telling patients what the government thinks. And we are misled because we're not getting the best advice. The doctor is compromising the standards and the oath that he took, and government wins yet again. You see, you know, in the worst-case scenario here, Bob, I, I can see a, a situation where a doctor living under the fear of reprisals might say, well, we've done some research, and I would like to publish a paper in, say, uh, the New England Journal of Medicine um, that that shares what we have uncovered, even though it may run contrarian to current-day practice related to a particular medication or a particular illness or disease. And instead, they look at this and say, well, if I publish that paper... Could that be used against me if I'm a practicing physician in California? And let's say that there is somebody that for some reason doesn't like me or a competitor who decides, you know what, I'd like to put this guy out of business. He's got a much bigger practice than I do, and I just think he's making too much money. I mean, the the potential implications, the snowballing effect of all of this really is potentially frightening. And then you and I who are not doctors, we have to sit at our homes and ask ourselves, how in the world do we get information that we can trust? We've run out of options. And it's interesting, Craig, you said something that I was going to remind our audience, but you beat me to it. You you pointed out publishing a paper in a journal or even in a, uh, in a newspaper, in a blog, and you're exactly right because the bill says it's unprofessional conduct for a physician to disseminate misinformation. It doesn't say to a patient. This would make it a crime for a physician to do so at dinner with their friends. If they hold a license and they disseminate this information, or so their dinner guests think, 
they've run afoul. They don't have to be saying it to a patient. They can say it to anybody on the planet as this bill is written. I don't know if it's overbroad intentionally or overbroad because these geniuses don't know how to write legislation. I have no idea. I do know that's what it says, and you're right to highlight it. And just the very notion that this is seemingly intentionally vague enough that it could almost be used, it could, it could, be, it could weaponize the medical practice in, in such a fashion that, can you imagine uh, future generations looking at this saying, well, I'd love to be a doctor, but I can't be one in California? It's pretty frightening. You need to be in contact with your member of the California State Legislature and encourage he or she to vote against Assembly Bill 2098. That's Assembly Bill 2098, and undoubtedly we'll be talking more about this in the future. Meanwhile, you want to know more? Great place to get a good education and get a chance to listen to um, the um, newsmakers and opinion shapers every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock on the Bob Zadek Show. If you've tried other talking head shows and you think, oh, this is boring, you'll find Bob's program engaging, captivating, educational, and provides you the kind of information you can actually do something with. The Bob Zadek Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. on 860 a.m. The Answer. Check him out online at bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. Six o'clock from KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.